learned when God says no, he will always temper our disappointments with these wonderful blessings greater than any we could have anticipated or ever expected. And the times that God has told me no to the greatest thing I ever thought, the most wonderful and the best, anytime he's ever told me no, he's tempered those things with something greater. Christian has the privilege of personally knowing God to be so welcoming and approachable. We can stop and ask His counsel and opinion at any given time. It's always such a humbling joy when God says, yes. But have you ever asked God for something and clearly understood His response to be a definite no? That's a challenging position to be in. Through the life of King David, God has given you a window into how a godly man ought to respond to receiving a no from the Lord. In today's message, Pastor Mark will guide us through this season of David's life, marking the signs of God's loving grace along the way. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7 for today's edition of Come Alive. It says, But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? And so here what God's saying is like, have I ever asked for a house? Do I need a house? And when you think about this, we're going to look at something else. If you'll turn to 1 Chronicles 17, 1 Chronicles 17 we'll see a parallel passage that kind of talks about this. First Chronicles 17, verse 3, it says, But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. So that same night, the word of the Lord comes to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it's not you who are going to build my house that I dwell in. It's not going to be you, Dave. So what a tough answer for Nathan to take to the king. That'd be like you encouraging your boss who has this great business plan, this great idea to move the company forward and launch this great whatever. And you're like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. And then you go home that night and the Lord wakes you up and says, hey, hey, wake up. You wake up and you're like, yeah, hey, man, tell your boss not to do that. It's going to end in ruin. And you're like, Seriously? And you show up the next day and you're like standing there. What do you do? So, so Nathan's probably going, oh, man. Oh, he, he's a man after your own heart, Lord. And I, I told him yes. I know I told him yes. And God's like, no, you got to tell him no. Well, I don't need David to build me a house. It's not for David. 
So he goes to David and says, David, I, I know I said yes earlier. I know yesterday I told you that that was a great idea. Go with your heart. But man, the Lord spoke and he said, no way. He said, no way. See, one thing we can learn from this, if you're taking note, don't limit God. Don't limit God. And so the first question God asked Nathan was, did I ever need a house or did I even ask for a house? And if God had a house, that would mean in these times, because you got to think in their thinking, they have the Ark of the Covenant, they picked it up, and wherever they went, they traveled with it, God's presence went with them. But if they build them a house, God's saying, if you build me a house, I'm going to be limited to locale, to location, to one spot. And so when I have these ideas, I've learned to ask personally in my own life, hey, God, am I limiting you and what I want to do for you? And that's the question we need to learn to ask. Hey, Lord, and what I want to do for you, is it limiting you in any way? Is it going to limit you? And I can say oftentimes I'm very guilty of this. I tend to sometimes think on a smaller scale than what God wants to do. I sometimes look at the bank accounts, and when we have ideas, I'm like, oh, you know, whoa, 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 guys, settle down. Uh, we don't have that much money in the bank account. Uh, that's not going to work. I don't want to spend that money. And sometimes we may limit God to that, maybe in our own personal lives. Oh, Lord, I don't know. Yeah, that's, a, that's a lot for me to do. I mean, I, I know that poor little kid over there in that other country could use schooling, but I, I, I don't know if I can allow 30 extra dollars to go out of the household account. Or I, I know I'm supposed to tie this amount, but I, I don't know if I can do that, write that first check because I, I've got other bills to pay. And if I don't pay those, and man, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have cable. I, mean, I got to have cable or whatever. See, uh, if I make my decisions and then in the night and a few days later, the Lord says, hey, don't limit me. And what I can do, or sometimes he says, just wait a little while. He, he might do that. I've done that before, is make a decision. and like, okay, cool. And, and the Lord says, hey, man, what if I just say wait? What if I say no? Sometimes he does say no. Don't do it. And that's not for you right now. He might say, I'm going to show you something better later. And, and I'll bring those people or that thing. I'll raise it up. I'll grow it up. Whatever it may be in your life that you're saying, Lord, I got this idea and this is how I'm going to run with it. It seems biblical. It looks biblical. But let me ask this question. Did you get confirmation? Did you find a verse that you could stand on and say, man, you know, as I was having my quiet, not searching for it, but in your quiet time that you just happen to run across, oh, that's it. That's my confirmation. Did you go for counsel? Uh, A couple of people. Did you talk to them? And hopefully they weren't the ones that just are like, Oh, go for it. But like, hey, you know, I I got this verse. I've been praying about it. I feel like the Lord's really telling me to move forward in this. And so what do you think? And and maybe an objective opinion might need to be taken. Somebody that steps back and goes, well, you know. And and they have no reason to tell you. They gain nothing from telling you no or yes in in your decision. And, And at that point, you might go for it. Sometimes the Lord says, yes. Sometimes he says, wait. Other times he says, no. And here we see he told David, no. Nathan should have said in the first place, David, sounds like a great idea. I'll pray the Lord's will be done. 
And here's a cool thing. God offers some affirmation to the no. Look at verse 8. It says, Now therefore, still God talking, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be the ruler over my people over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great man who are on the earth. And so here we see something. Again, God tells David that he's a shepherd. David, you're a shepherd in verse 8. You're a shepherd, and, and that's why I called you. That's what I saw in you, a shepherd. You cared for your sheep. You loved your sheep. You protected your sheep. You were a good shepherd. And that's what I need you to be to the nation of Israel, to my people, to my children. That's what I like about you, Dave, is what God's saying. That's the cool thing about you is that you were a shepherd, not a contractor or a builder. I've gifted you to be king. I've gifted you and appointed you to lead my people. Nothing more. And then in verse 9, God reminds David who fought the enemies that came against him and who brought honor and glory to him. And now in verse 10, it says, Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of the wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I've commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. So here's this crazy thing. God says, I have a plan to establish you, a plan to establish a place for worship, but not now and not by you, David. Not now, not by you. Some people might be like, oh, well, that's an insult. God just slapped me. I can't believe that, God. Come on, Lord, look at what I've done for you. I've been faithful. But it's not about that. It's not now and it's not you. See, I've learned when God says no, he will always temper our disappointments with these wonderful blessings greater than any we could have anticipated or ever expected. And the times that God has told me no to the greatest thing I ever thought, the most wonderful and the best, anytime he's ever told me no, he's tempered those things with something greater. And not right away. Sometimes a few weeks and you're like, Oh, man, I'm so glad I didn't jump on that thing. (laughs) If I'd have gotten on that train, I'd have gone the wrong direction. Look at this thing. This is even better, way better than before. See, have you settled in your life and told God, God, this is what I'm going to do for you? Here's what I'm going to do for you, Lord. No, 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 God says, I have something in store for you. And so have you ever determined to do something for God that he doesn't want you to do? Think about that. You know those churches that say that women can't wear pants? Those, those churches that say that or they can't wear makeup or they tell you how and they dictate certain things, what's acceptable to God and what, you know, and you look and you're like, well, that's really not in Scripture. How, how do you do that? How do you, how do you rest on that? I know you're doing it for God. It's not honoring to God if a woman wears pants. They must wear a dress, and it can't be so high above the ankles. And they can't wear makeup because it, wow, 
you know, it could cause somebody to look. And it's like, man, that poor woman needs to be married. Let her wear some makeup, please. And so you see that, and you're just like, just like a like some guys, they can't wear, or they can't do, or they can't say, you know, it's like, oh, no, 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 you can't have that. It's like, man, it's not in the Bible. It says for us to dress modestly. It doesn't say you can't wear pants. It doesn't say you have to wear a dress. I mean, well, you know, back then, well, they didn't wear, you know, I mean, it's like it, up to a point. They didn't wear it, pants back then. They didn't really have, the guys wore dresses. Why aren't we doing that then? I'm growing out a big, long beard. I'm going to look like a prophet if I got to wear that stuff. Walking around, you can get away with just about anything you want. But it's in the Bible. You can't wear pants. It's acceptable. Why not? It's always the guy that tells those ladies what to wear, what not to wear. I'm amazed when I talk to some of those people that insists that that's the way it's got to be. They've determined to do something for God that God really doesn't want you to do or say to do. And so I don't know what God's will is for you. I know people come and they ask, like, what do you think God's will is for my life? Uh, Have you prayed? Have you read God's word? See, even though Nathan is a prophet, uh, did he know the plan or path that God had for David? No. Not until God spoke to him. Oftentimes people come again and they tell me that they want to do or they have this plan and they have this, you know, it sounds awesome, but I don't know what God's will is for that person or that plan. It's hard enough for me to figure out what he's doing in my life most days. And that's why sometimes when people do that, I ask and say, hey, have you spent some time in prayer? Did you get confirmation from his word? And, you know, Have you had a couple of godly people pray about that and have you discussed it with them? Look at verse 12. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, uh, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him, and with the rod of men, and then with blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever, according to all these words and according to all this vision. So Nathan spoke to David. And so here... You see this. It's like the promise given to Abraham. He wouldn't see it really this side of heaven. And so in this, God specifically promises a hereditary monarchy for for the house of David. And it was important for God to repeat this promise specifically because there had never yet been a king succeeded by his son in Israel when you think about it. And so the family of Saul becomes totally extinct. And, and, And there's nothing there. The family of David remained till the incarnation, until Jesus Christ shows up. So this great promise that God made to David had only a future fulfillment. Yet, David would only benefit now. David's only benefit now from this is through a promise and being faithful, right? Think about it. It took David's faith for him to be excited in this. 
Because he has this what's in it for me attitude. Well, here's what's in it for you, David. Nothing right now, but all in the future, a future fulfillment. Acts 2.30 says, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Verse 32 of Acts 2 says, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. It's a future fulfillment here. The joy which filled David's heart was a spiritual one. David was completely stoked when he heard no, no, but but here's the other part of it. Here's how God tempered that, no. I'm going to give you a better, bigger blessing. Don't worry about the house thing, Dave. I'll get that covered. And see, David still got to take part in that. When his son Solomon built it, David got and got to finance it. And so he still got to take part. He just didn't get to be the builder. And so the joy which filled David's heart was a spiritual one because he knew that Jesus would come of his lineage and that an everlasting kingdom would be set up in person and in him should the Gentiles trust. It talks about this other It wasn't a question of being wrong. It was a question of accepting God's no and living with the mystery of his will. And that's the same thing for us. Sometimes when God tells us no, it's not about him just, oh, he's such a mean God. He doesn't want me to have fun. He's a killjoy. He's like, no, no, no. Hey, man, I got something way better for you. Open your eyes. Trust. And see, we are those who package everything and expect God to do the same with his plan for us. God, I want to go over here to the grocery store. And I want to get that God plan package. I want to get the big one, the super one, the $69.99 one, not the $49.99 one because there's some stuff missing out of that one. But I want to get this big one here and I want it packaged and I want to open it up and I want to see everything that you've got planned out for me for the rest. Yeah, think about how lame that would be. If you knew what tomorrow would bring, I think God saves us a lot of that because it might bring heartache. And for you to be bummed out all day today, knowing that this thing's going to happen tomorrow, that there's no way you could stop it, man, that'd that'd be horrible. Or that good thing that's going to happen, that you're so excited for it to happen, that you just let go of everything for today, that God said, hey, I still have this plan for you. Uh, We want to unpackage it. We want to unwrap it. And we want and expect God to do that. See, God works daily, and it's up to us to see what he's doing and to join in on that work every single day. That shows faithfulness on our part. It shows character on our part. It shows you who you are. Look at verse 18. And then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord, O God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this is a small thing in your sight, O Lord, God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. See here, look at his posture. Look at David's posture. When he hears no, and he hears what God has determined for his future, when he hears no, look at his posture. It's a, it's a, it's a oh, Lord, you're awesome. Uh, see, sometimes we, we may have all the great, best ideas, but our posture is wrong. 
What is our posture? Look at David's posture. He may just have sat or bowed on the floor and just silently looked up and, and he had just heard God tell him, no, you're not going to execute the dream. I love that such a noble thought was in your heart, David. I love you. It's a great plan, but no. See, sometimes it's important that you and I stop and we take a long look at our short little lives. They're not very long. And just count the blessings. Who are we that he has blessed our house and he kept it safe? Or keeps it warm on those cold evenings and cold days? Cool in the summertime. Who am I that you gave me a job and health that I can show up to it? Or parents that encourage us? Or to have the blessing of watching my children grow? Who am I, Lord? Who am I? To be able to have that wonderful blessing. Sometimes we don't say, we're, oh, Lord, I just need more of this. And, I, and we're missing the blessings. David's saying, God, you've outdone me again. See, God, I outdo you and I every single time. And God can do much more for us than we could ever do for him. And David's saying, oh, yeah, I get it now, God. I totally get it. You don't want a house. You want a heart. You want my heart. You don't want a building. You want a body. It's not about the building. It's about the body. The Bible tells us sacrifice and burnt offerings you don't desire. It's the broken and contrite heart. And David says, here it is, Lord. Church, can I have your attention? See, David gets it. David gets it. Uh, I want us to pay attention right now. Just, Just listen. David gets it, and I hope you do as well. See, what God desires is some time with you. He wants time with you. He doesn't want a great idea because when you think about it, he can, he can do it. It says in the Bible, he can make the rocks cry out. That's an amazing God. He just wants time with you. He wants you to sit and truly worship. And, and I know a lot of you have plans to save the world and whatever else, but oh, when was the last time you just sat and you just saw and counted your blessings. When was the last time you done that? Oh, well, maybe Thanksgiving we sat around the table and counted them. But what about you individually just sitting still and counting those blessings that healthy children, warm house, job, car that runs, friends that worship God, a place to worship, a Bible in your hand. Some people don't even have that. When was the last time you counted those blessings? See, I think God misses the true sacrifice of the surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. We're busy. We're a busy generation. We're a busy people, especially here. We're busy. Dream or no dream, David is blessed. The book of 2 Samuel continues the story of David, the second king of the nation of Israel. From his ascension to the throne, to his battlefield victories, to his sins and failures, God continually describes David as a man after his own heart. This distinction reminds us that though we fail, our God still delights in having us a part of his family. We can bring our sins to him in an attitude of repentance, knowing he offers us grace anew for each morning. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you in your journey of faith, so please give us a call. Let us know how you heard about Come Alive and feel free to ask us any questions you have and we'll do our best to answer. Call us at 281-391-5503. Do you live in or are you visiting the Katy area? If so, 
We want to meet you. Here's Tracy with more information. Calvary Chapel Katy is a great group of Jesus followers who are ready and waiting to welcome you into our family. We'll make sure you find a friendly smile and a listening ear. We genuinely want to get to know you. Come and see us on Sunday at 10 a.m. or find out more about our men's and women's Bible studies. Give us a call with any questions and to get directions. Our phone number is 281-391-5503. See you there. Thanks, Tracy. Tune in again for more from 2 Samuel right here on Come Alive.